0: Welcome to Fashion Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Lewis Perkins. Fashion is an art form like any other, music, painting, theater, or film. It's a way in which we share our identities, cultures, and beliefs. It's a way we can creatively tell our stories, who we are, what we want others to know about us, or the communities we claim. And we can even use it to confront, challenge, and drive change in our world. And yet oftentimes, the way we make our clothes has a negative impact on people and planet. But we're changing that. This podcast series features conversations with people who are working in science, technology and innovations such as next generation materials and clean energy. Yes, definitely clean energy in order to solve for one of the largest global issues today, the climate crisis. And fashion is playing a leadership role. So thank you for joining this podcast series to listen and learn along with me and the many guests that we'll have from the industry, all working on solutions for climate and other impacts to make fashion a positive force in the world. Are we ready?
1: Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> so Hi, It's so fun, Lewis. right? It's a good
0: talk show. Hey, Beth, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm good. We are live in Los Angeles where we're working together this week between AII and Textile Exchange. Yep. It's been fun working with you, as yep. always. Yep. And so um, thanks for joining us for this conversation on climate in the textile apparel fashion sector. And um, I've been just thinking about how long we've known each other and like how did we meet, when we meet, and, and that made me think a little bit about your career trajectory that's kind of put you in this role now at Textile Exchange. So <clears throat> yeah, tell me a little bit about how you got into this sector and yeah. working climate now.
1: I was thinking about that too, actually. And I think our paths first crossed when I was at Outdoor Industry Association, must be, and you were at Cradle to Cradle mm-hmm. Institute. Um, yeah, so I, I oversaw the um, sustainability platform for Outdoor Industry Association for about nine years, uh, building the initial version of the, the, what was then called the Eco Index, which now you know, turned into what we all know today as the HIG Index in collaboration with all of the um, members of the outdoor uh, apparel, footwear and gear sport sector. Um, and, and that outdoor industry, outdoor industry associations trade association based in, um, Colorado in the United States and represents, um, all of the outdoor and sport sector really focused primarily in North America. But that was a great sort of entry in to the global textile and apparel space. Yeah,
0: And you really were kind of sitting in this position to be um, a collaborator for the industry, too. Yes. I think is setting what you're also doing now. That's sort of a role you've played.
1: Yep. Some of the yeah. early collaboration, you know, thats some, not something they teach you in, in school, right? It's something you kind of learn along the way. And our industry has just really expanded its use of these pre-competitive collaborative models now. And so, um, yeah, really fortunate to be sort of involved in some of the earliest versions of that. And then I, um, from there, moved on to a role overseeing sustainable materials and products at VF Corporation, which is, for those who may not know, it's the parent company of the North Face and Timberland and Vans and Smartwell and Icebreaker and a number of other um, outdoor and action-focused brands. And then um, the opportunity came up to join Textile Exchange. And, in fact, I had been on the board of Textile Exchange through my, my role at VF and been part of building the, the Climate Plus strategy, which I think we'll talk a bit about, yeah. through that role and um, really saw the traje- trajectory and potential that the, the organization had to affect meaningful, truly meaningful change in the sense of urgency moment that we face. And <clears throat> one thing led to another, and now, now here I am helping really kind of implement and execute much of this um, Climate Plus strategy. Which
0: is which is amazing, and yes, we will dive into that a little bit. So you've been so how many years now have you been working in this sector?
1: Well, that's a good question. So, in apparel and footwear and fashion, um, that's since twenty ten, basically. I guess I guess a bit before that when I was doing my MBA as well. as kind of when I started, but I was in the the natural food space prior to that. So really, food and fiber, you know, sustainable food and fiber focused almost 20 years yeah, yeah yeah
0: which really is interesting because now as we're looking so much more at the intersection of agricultural you know different industries that are coming together around food and ag and now fiber sheds and yes. land development land use regenerative and, agriculture and what we're trying yeah. to solve for right yeah. what we're trying to solve for it comes down to the same best yeah. practices and solutions Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. great um so what have you seen because I always like to think about movements, and we're part of one, and it has a life cycle. And early on, it sort of has a certain crest, and then you get to a place where, you know, some of the early alignment and understanding and education needs to step to the side as the real action comes into mm-hmm. place. How would you describe where we what, mo- what the movement's been doing and where we are now?
1: Yeah, you yeah. know, I mean... Sustainable
0: apparel, that is.
1: <laughs> I think we've done a lot. The sophistication and just the trajectory, just it feels... In the last several years in particular, I don't know if you feel this, it's just like the energy momentum around this work has really been elevated. Yeah. Um, with that, I'll say that we, in many ways, are not moving fast enough as an industry, and we're not necessarily putting our energy into the things that are most meaningful. Like We have to get beyond incremental changes. We have yeah. to think about big systems changes at this point, and to do that, I think we have to think a bit differently about implementing improvements, right? Like, we yeah. just have to think completely in different ways, um, and that's hard and in an industry that's been sort of rooted in doing things, you know, one way and having the supply chain be one way for, for a really long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> part that's that's what appealed to me about coming to the Apparel Impact Institute mm-hmm. too, is this idea that, hey, we have some solutions, we know what to do, but yeah. we're just doing it at such a small pace. Why do you yeah. think... And then within the context of a movement, like why do you think it was slow for the uptake at the beginning, and and are we accelerating? And
1: why is it still, you know? I mean, I think there are some there are some real structural barriers, right, in the industry. One of them is coordinated financing, right, and that's one of the things you and I have been talking quite a bit about. Is how do we, you know, recognizing that we are not going to get where we need to go by. You know corporate sustainability budgets alone yeah. like how do we leverage other sources of creative sources and uh, methods of funding um, these big systems changes that we need to see um but i also think that the there are the incentives are misaligned in our system right now in many ways and this goes back to the big systems changes we need too but you know if you think about you know growth projections yep. and the requirement of publicly traded companies to yep. report, you know, growth projections and then, you know, execute on those growth projections without accounting for, you know, the full cost of, you know, those growth projections on the environment or people and so or animals. Um, and so, you know, I just think we have a lot of thinking to do about how to, you know, Working within the existing system, most likely for at least the foreseeable future, how can we do a better job of aligning those incentives? Whether it's through something like carbon pricing or full cost accounting or some of these big levers for putting investment in the right places and not just doing, you know, not just having growth for growth's sake, which yep. is what we have. That is one of the most, you know, yes, we can. We need to substitute, you know, materials, <clears throat> um, you know, more sustainable, more preferred materials for more con- quote-unquote conventional materials. Yes, we need to do, you know, innovation concepts. Yes, we need to build regenerative ag. Yes, we need to do more recycling, um, infrastructure build, all of this. But we also have to just stop making so much new stuff. Right. Like, that, that is a huge driver that I don't think has been talked about enough yet. It's starting to come out now, and, you know, uh, authors like Jason Hickel and others. But, um, yeah. But who, yeah, who, so. who you
0: guys had speak at yeah. the conference in Dublin, the uh, yeah. Textile Exchange, the Textile Sustainability Conference. Which I, which I thought was so powerful because, you know, his whole concept of, of rethinking growth, right, and degrowth, potentially, or how you reframe that as, um, you know, positive growth that's coming from other revenue streams besides making products out of urgent materials, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: how do we think more creatively as an industry about value creation yeah. beyond just extraction of new materials to make new products? I think that's the big challenge, and we're smart. We're smart people. We have, you know... We, we've addressed some really big challenges as an industry before. Um, this, is, you know, this is a huge challenge for us that we need to address. And I'm really happy to see it's kind of starting to get elevated a bit more as another solution to the, the climate crisis totally. we
0: face. So, so <coughs> that brings us to you know, textile exchange, uh, focusing on standards uh, around materials, raw materials, and materials coming into uh, product. <coughs> Um, which is which impacts land use and biodiversity and water and chemistry and, and certainly carbon and energy. But now Textile Exchange is, has this platform called Climate Plus. What is it and what does that mean? And why is climate showing up as sort of this major focus for Textile Exchange and their strategies?
1: Yeah, so, um, strategies. yes. <laughs> Obviously, yes. climate is the overarching challenge of our time. And... We're very careful to say that we can't have carbon tunnel vision, no. which is what we call it or what it's been started to be talked about across the industry as well. All of these other impact areas are interconnected to the climate crisis. You, know, you start to look at um, you know, social livelihoods of workers and communities, and you start to look at biodiversity concerns and water impacts, and all of these different areas are all interconnected with climate. So yes, climate needs to be a driving force, and textile exchange through our Climate Plus strategy, we also say we want to make sure we're not forgetting about these other interdependent impact areas like biodiversity, soil health, water, um, yeah, human worker rights, animal welfare, etc.
0: Yeah. So if I'm a brand retailer or even a supplier and, and I learn about Climate Plus, like what is it going to what is it going to do for me or how is it different or how is it it a framing of it or is there specific action points and new programming that you guys are developing?
1: Well, I think both, right? So it's, it's, um, it's a framing. It's, it's the way we hope to, you know, um, guide the industry in how we should be addressing, um, the, the challenges that we, we face and not only reducing impacts, like reducing greenhouse gas impacts, reducing impacts on our water um, supplies or watersheds, etc., but also driving positive impacts and things like species diversity and soil health and, you know, microbial activity in soils and all of these things. So, um, just thinking differently about impacts and it's not just all about doing less bad. It's also about doing more good. I have to give credit to Helen Crowley, um, who until recently was with Caring for this and it really, you know, really sticks with me. It's, yes we need to do less bad but we also need to to think about doing more good and that's a whole different set of measurements and methodologies and and many smart people in the industry are trying to figure this out and so at textile change I think our role is to help um, convene all of that knowledge I would say um, and help guide the industry to what is best practice let us help do the work of putting all of those puzzle pieces together and kind of participating in and tracking the development of these different ways of looking at impact um, and help then translate that, that back to brands and how they can actually implement that within their businesses to drive the real change. For example, the um, 45% greenhouse gas emissions target right. that we've set collectively for the industry uh, in raw materials. Yep.
0: I, lo- I love that you brought up the less get bad is not equal to more good. That was a framework we, we talked about a lot with Cradle to Cradle, yeah. cradle too, because yeah. it's all about creating positive impact and regenerative systems. And I think about that a lot with AII too, because we are working now in facilities on how products are currently being made, <coughs> trying to improve or you know um, lower the um, the negative impacts or create greater efficiencies. But ultimately, it is this idea that we, when we talked about this in C to C too, about wanting to create a manufacturing in a way that it's a positive impact on a community because because okay. of, of its employment, because it could potentially put out cleaner water, it could have a stake in cleaner air quality. Uh, clean grid energy like these become little whether it's an industrial park or a farm or a a group of buildings you know they become this positive impact regenerative sort of system
1: absolutely that is the power that the business community has we we that's that's really the overarching vision, right? Is lead the planet better than we found it by doing business yeah. and by yeah. creating value, but thinking about value creation in a different well,
0: way. Well, and let's just be honest. Um, you know, policy is such a complicated and challenging mm-hmm. thing, and it's oftentimes restricted to um, politics around governments and regions and, and taxation. And so, one of the greatest forces we can leverage is capitalism and multinational companies, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I think so. But again, thinking about how do we shift the narrative within the capitalist system, right? To say it's not just all about unchecked growth. It's not all about growth purely for growth's sake. And how do we think about building those sort of checks and balances and mechanisms in, you know, to help drive alternative forms of value creation basically.
0: Well, and this is what I got excited about with with this um, unlocking the $1 trillion report that we put mm-hmm. together for Fashion for Good and, and so much of the preferred materials and next generation materials and, and material efficiency fills and falls into that too. But as we start looking at the opportunities for capital markets to make money through debt and equity on the solutions we're bringing to the table, yeah. right? So. Everything that between Textile Exchange, AII, and all the groups that we'll work with that'll be implementing solutions in um, the supply chain is going to require investment, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where sustainability stops being this sort of philanthropic and sustainability budget sort of taxation on the company. Like you have to do it. And it becomes actually something much more um attractive i think as um as the finance community gets to step into this work too yes
1: yes absolutely yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and
0: that's and that's something we'll probably do another podcast mm-hmm. and talk about it yeah, all about financing models more, yeah step more into that work together because that's yeah. something that we're we're building out that model now yeah so okay so climate climate plus not getting tunnel vision uh on just carbon and What I loved about what you said about that is I think it's important that if we're going in and creating solutions and interventions and bringing investment to the table, that we don't just solve for one thing, right? And that's what I think you're getting at is like, this is our moment to actually come in and solve for more than one KPI or more than one problem, right?
1: Well, and the other piece of that is if you look just at one impact area, like if you look just at climate or GHG emissions reduction, it's likely you're going to create unintended consequences in some of these other areas that you don't at least have a mind to the interdependencies of right. biodiversity, people, communities, um, you know animal welfare, all of these other interconnected areas so so that's again it's a, it's a, it's a nuance but it's an important one which is yes climate we have to drive against our climate targets it needs to be the north star but how do you do that in a way that's um, you, still kind of tracking these other impacts and and hopefully um, driving positive impacts in those areas as well. Yeah.
0: Do you have any examples you like to use around if we get tunnel vision will create some kind of unintended consequences you?
1: Um yeah. you know I think some of what we're seeing is is a bit in um like in the regenerative agriculture space where you start to if you start to if you're only approaching that from a climate benefit perspective you know, the soil carbon is fluxing, you know, there's yes, absolutely, from a high level perspective it is the 100% the right direction we need to go in for a myriad of benefits, including soil health soil carbon, um, GHG emissions reduction in general and um, if you only look at the GHG impact of regenerative ag, again, it's so you're dealing with natural systems it's so, not only is it limiting to look at only what benefit you're seeing in that specific impact area but then you're negating all of the interdependence of, of the natural system the natural right. ecosystem that you're working in and all of the other ecosystem um, benefits that regenerative ag provides so you're, you're missing a huge piece of the picture if you just look at the ghg impact piece absolutely
0: absolutely yeah. i know that so for so long in um, the agricultural space too looking at you know uh, just issues like pollinators and, you
1: know, sort of yeah. the key things that
0: yep. can get avoided or not looked
1: at in real. Yep. And it's all part of the climate yeah. conversation too. And so I would just put a plug in here for our recently released regenerative yes. agriculture landscape analysis report um, released at the end of January um, and authored by the, the fabulous Sarah Kelly of Common Throats Consulting, um, who's our, our real thought partner and author of uh, this report. And it's really intended to be just a baseline um, for the industry to, to Help answer some of these initial questions about the nuances of regenerative ag, how to approach it in a thoughtful way as an industry, um, and it's designed to be really a jumping-off point for additional uh, work and convening around, you know, action projects in the industry and um, additional research that might be needed to help us understand and make more informed decisions in the industry.
0: So, That's great. Yeah. And we'll put a link to that report in the uh, below and the uh, pod, the video podcast, and then for those that are just finding us on audio only, you can go to the text exchange website. So, um, so what else do you want to share about climate and textiles? Oh, man.
1: Um, how, much
0: time you know, do you have? how much
1: time do you have? You know, one thing I would touch on is just this topic of impact data, which gets real nerdy, and I'm not going to go into the nerdy parts of it here, but it's a huge topic of discussion in the industry right now, and I think, and it's evidenced by, you know, you're seeing a lot of companies in the industry hiring for, whether it's internal or consultants, um, experts in life cycle assessment or you know just impact data and try to really get down to crunch those numbers. And I think I think it's important. We have a ton of data gaps in the industry and this is part of what textile exchange is is helping to solve for and helping support the industry in gathering more and better data points to help inform you know, impact data points to help inform our decisions. And again to take a step back, we have enough information to know at a broad level what solutions we should be moving toward, right? Like we know that regenerative ag um, or those types of practices are and, and organic practices are the way to go. We know that we need to improve our recycling systems. Um, so let's adopt what's out there. To, I guess this is sort of a, one call to action: is mm-hmm. let's let's adopt what's out there. We we know what you know what exists today. No, it's not perfect. But let's start to adopt that now um, while we're working on these bigger systems changes that we are going to need to see really to kind of get all of the way there, uh, particularly by 2030.
0: And so and so that call to action is really not only for brand retailers, but also for the supplier as mm-hmm. well. Adopt these standards. Full value
1: chain. Yeah. Yep. Whole Adopt, value chain. You know,
0: and, and that's how we're building what we talk about is sort of the preferred fibers matrix or like really mm-hmm. looking at how we increase better materials in the marketplace. Yep.
1: Or, you know, yeah. what you're doing at Apparel Impact Institute around, um, you know, energy efficiency in yep at the yep. factory level. Absolutely. We know, you know, we, yes, there are barriers, you know, there are financial barriers, of course, there are, you know, we need to, to think those things through, but let's really, you know, as an industry, try to accelerate around, you know, we let's not, let's not let data or, you know, perfect impact data in the case of, you know, many land-based systems and understanding, you know, carbon sequestration and, and all of this, let's not let, the lack of having exact impact data prevent us from moving in the direct, the general directions we know we need ahead And, and we have a sense of urgency around. Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah. you an optimist? I think so. Probably, probably, you know, probably more than I should be with how much I, <laughs> we, I all know, we all know, uh, you know, working in this space at this point, but no, you have to yeah. be right. Like what else, what else, what else can do? we do? Right. We have to try, right. we have to try to achieve the targets we need to see by 2030. And, um, you know feel so fortunate to, yeah. to work in this space every day and, and feel you know feel like we're doing meaningful work and yeah. doing our best to guide the industry and yeah, yeah. we have to you have to be an optimist what else how else can Absolutely. you go go through life yeah so
0: if i'm if i'm just an average uh, citizen you know shopper and yeah. i and i'm listening to this like what's the message for me around oh, this oh yeah
1: i mean so first of all i would say we internally as an industry we have not done a good job of communicating the complexity of of the impacts and Um, what's really meaningful you know in terms of what what companies are doing around sustainability so I would say more to come on that I think there's a big recognition across the industry that we have a lot of work to do in terms of consumer facing messaging and what's meaningful and again not getting bogged down in the weeds on that as well but but communicating information that helps consumers make informed decisions Um, but I think there are some simple things that consumers can do it's you know, per the degrowth conversation, it's just buy less new stuff. Yeah. You know, like that in and of itself, it sounds so obvious, but that in and of itself is one of the biggest drivers of GHD impact. Is you know, it, it, yes, consider when you do need to buy something new, consider all the materials that are going into it. Is the brand you know what it, what messages is the brand putting out, and it's difficult because. You know it's difficult to kind of get past the you know the marketing or kind of the surface level communication sometimes and really understand the specifics but um but where you can think about repairing your you know repairing your garments and your footwear and um, you know, just keeping things in use longer—the yeah. um, whole durability conversation—that's a huge driver of, of impact reduction. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I think the share the shared economy piece of this, yes. which is swapping, sharing, renting, repairing, yeah. is super exciting and probably yep. you know the wave of the future. Because I also think younger generations seem to be willing to embrace that in a way that maybe our age and older didn't really want to think about. I that. think it's so,
1: happening. I mean, you see yeah. it, it. There's just the groundswell of interest in that, and just. Because I think it's it's fun, right? It's like you get to you can find a new and unique thing um, that's you know not something that was mass produced, right? You can like find your diamond in the rough, right. uh, so to speak. So, yep, yeah. and
0: more and more platforms are coming up, and, <clears throat> and hopefully the future yep. is going to be that. Citizens will have a lot of information about products as da- data gets better, as there's better ways right. to track it. And, and all right. the work that we're doing, all of the data that's being collected about yep. these products is going to end up getting back into some kind of meta cloud yes. for the consumer to actually know about this particular garment. That's right. And that's the exciting path that we're all on.
1: That's right. Yeah. And, you know, just also know there are all these organizations in the industry, like Textile Change, working specifically at the sort of farm and and production, you know, material production level, and then you've got Apparel Impact Institute really working at the factory level, and, um, you know, Sustainable Apparel Coalition, and uh, the ZDHC group working on chemicals, and all of these groups are are really working together, um, and many more are working together uh, to try to have a more cohesive um, sort of package of resources back out to the industry, and making sure that we are really uh, being most efficient. Absolutely. About what we're offering to the industry. Absolutely. So. And I think it's
0: this sort of standardization of like what defines quality work that we can start to really look at this vision that we even had to Cradle to Cradle around offering continuous improvement roadmaps to to companies to facilities to farms you know this is what it looks like to get from point a to point b and these are the vetted programs that can actually get you there and that's really the work that we're talking about
1: Yep. yeah
0: awesome anything else you want to say before we part
1: oh i don't know but it's been it's been really great being able to work with you more closely in this in this role and More to um, come. More to come. That's More right. to come. Yeah. Great.
0: Well, I just want to also acknowledge Ryan Young, who was a big thought leader in yes. this work. And he's um, passed away a year ago, I yeah. believe it was a year and a half ago. And so, uh, as I think about Climate Plus, some of the early conversations we were having with Textile, I'd say, I think about Ryan. And I
1: totally acknowledge him for this Really, work. one of the originators of the whole Climate Plus concept. Yeah. yeah. So.
0: Yeah, so. and that's what this is this is an army of people that are really dedicating their lives to like transitioning the world into a better place
1: that's right yeah. through the fashion and apparel
0: that's right sector so. and, be, yeah. and we become a great template for how other industries are working and can work and, and like we said there's so much interaction between food and ag and between when you're talking about land use when you're talking about buildings yeah. it's a lot of the same innovations would be translated across.
1: yes absolutely and that is yeah. a good takeaway too is like the more that we can learn from other industries and sectors and know in regenerative agriculture we want to talk about food and fiber right yes. and so um you know really pulling on on other industries and developing those closer partnerships is something i think we're all really tuned into in the coming years and months and years so yeah mm-hmm.
0: well beth thanks for taking some time today here in los thanks. angeles it's to lovely sit down with it's me.
1: like unseasonably warm no i was just kinda... I had to take off my sweater <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> all right yes thanks again thanks